Thursday night and uh, eight o'clock. You're listening to Kayak Fishing Radio. I'm Chip Gibson, Tree Hugger, and it's quiet here. Tommy just walked in the chat room. All right, welcome aboard, Tommy. And uh, let's see, fourteen days and a wake up. What does that mean? It's uh, in 14 days, we will be, where is it? Boondoggle? What the heck is a boondoggle? Is it a tournament? No, it's not a freaking tournament. A boondoggle is just an event where a bunch of kayak anglers come together for a weekend of fun and kayak fishing. We all get together and fish, check out industry-related products, have a big dinner, and swap a fishing story or two. What's that? Sounds like a useless waste of time? Yeah, it is. So what? So get your butt up off the couch and get to a boondoggle. Bring yourself. Bring your family. Heck, bring your hairy-ass brother-in-law. I don't care. Just get to a boondoggle. Check out yakangler.com slash boondoggle for more information. All right, so there it is. The boondoggle, 11 to 14, uh... October, Big Lagoon State Park, Pensacola, Florida. We will be there. And uh, let's see. Got a public service announcement for that. We're pretty excited. Counting the days. Two weeks to go for the big weekend. All right, here's a few things, all right? Uh, Tomorrow, that will be 27 October, right? Yes, today's the 26th. We're stuck on the uh, we can't do refunds. We've we got to pay the bill for the campground. So if for some reason you can't attend, you need to get with uh, Yak Sushi YakAngler.com at ASAP, so that uh, or send an email to Adam at YakAngler.com so you can get the cancellation going for that. If you if you don't think you're going to make it, you got to get your information down so that uh, uh, we can get that done. We got to pay the bill for the uh, campsites. We got some exhibitors uh, and some booths. They're calling it Vendor Village, but it's pretty much, uh, you know, I mean, we're going to have Austin Kayak, Hook One, Native Watercraft. We've got uh, some workshops set up. Folks from the last Boondoggle said they wanted uh, some workshops, so we're going to have some folks there talking about offshore fishing from your kayak, catch and release strategies. We've got some folks from FWC there to talk about uh, making sure that you take care of your fish and all that. So questions if you want to ask them. Fly fishing, we've got that. Some basic paddling techniques, kayak safety, and videography. I think uh, R. Lee is going to be there to uh, talk about taking some videos from your kayak and stuff and how you can do that. So, And on the workshops, we've got some raffle items there. So you tend to workshop, you can pick up something pretty cool. So... Uh, maybe a new PFD or something like that. So we'll also be uh, up in Section A in the campground there in the morning, 6 a.m. Uh, we got some folks who are going to be putting together some biscuits and uh, sausage, and uh, maybe on Sunday morning we'll do some pancakes on the griddle. So nominal fee there to cover the cost. Any proceeds will go to uh, uh, the uh, Boondoggle website. And that's courtesy of uh, my sis and my better half there. They're going to be cooking pancakes, sausage, and biscuits on Saturday and pancakes for Sunday morning, I think. Uh, 
Okay, park manager wants to pass. During a boondoggle, launching will only be permitted at the kayak or the boat launch, okay? Uh, or the sandy area right behind the pavilion. So we don't want anybody launching anywhere else, right? Don't get us in trouble there. Dogs are not allowed on the beach in the county there. So they got to stay in the campground if you bring a pet. you got to be on a six-foot leash at all times. And it can't be left unattended for more than 30 minutes, according to the rules. So let's make sure you take care of the pets. Uh, parking in primitive camping is going to be limited. And parking on roadways is a no-no. It's very narrow back in through there in the campsite. So what we want to do is um, make sure that uh, folks pay attention to that because if there is an emergency, we got to get the fire department in there or something like that, emergency services. If the road's blocked, it's it's not going to be good. So uh, if you've got an extra vehicle or something like that, you're sharing a campsite with somebody, there's a parking area, and we should be able to help shuttle folks back and forth from that. So if you've been to a boondoggle before, we want to make sure that everybody uh, is friendly and uh, meets up and uh, talks to new folks and make everybody feel warm and welcome. And, uh, and then make sure that uh, the vendors and the sponsors and all uh, make sure you stop in and talk to them. Let them know that uh, we appreciate them showing up. So, Boondoggle, October 11th, and uh, that's that's what we need everybody to be there. All right, so Chris Johnson, we got a guest in the chat room there. Guest, if you've got a social media login, you can use that so you can participate in the chat room. Other than that, uh, we're going to be hanging out. I think Jim's here. Is that you, Jim? Yeah, Chip, how's it going, man? All right, dude. What are you doing? I'm just listening to the Godfather expound some window <laughs> wisdom about the boondoggle coming up. Boondoggle's you know, on the way, man. You going to be there? With a deep sigh, he says no. Oh, man. My wife has volunteered us for a charity event that weekend, so i got to go help oh. work a charity event that Saturday. Oh, well. It's still for a good reason. That's okay, man. Yeah. But, uh, he says you're going to be catching time. fish. You're going to be helping out with the charity. <laughs> yeah. And actually, I just got but, a I got, a, I got an email from uh, FWC, and starting, uh, what, Tuesday, Red Snapper Recreational in uh, Gulf and State Waters is open. State Waters will stay open until the 22nd, and Federal Waters close on the 14th, so... I don't think, uh, since it's nine miles offshore, I don't think we'll be going out into federal waters, but state waters, I might be into some red snapper fishing in my kayak, so. If you're there, you might as well. Might as well. That's right. So. You know, it's a short season. You need to take advantage of it. Someone needs to get some red snappers. You know, red snapper, it's, I mean, it's one of my favorites to catch and and you know, put in the in the freezer, and you know, I mean, if, eat some, freeze some, have some fish for a while because it, it seems to hold up pretty well. It's a nice, firm fish, you know, that holds up pretty well to freezing. So, some things like trout stuff like that, they just don't freeze well. You know, they're only good fresh, as far as I'm concerned, especially like mackerel. Right. A mackerel, yeah, if you don't eat you it, can't yeah. uh, if you can't if you can't eat. Uh, King or Spanish the first day, then it's cat food, man, as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> unless right. you smoke it. Unless Especially you smoke king. it. Yep. So, 
Anyways, opening Tuesday, Chris found some snapper in the bay. Wow. And and they say they're endangered, I guess. So they're all the way up in the bay now. Hmm. You you know those bays with those passes out to the ocean. There's no telling what you'll hook into. I mean, the black grouper should still be there. As much fresh water has been down that way. So it'd be uh, interesting to know if Chris or anybody's catching the little black grouper up in the bay right now. Usually in August, they're so thick you can't catch anything but them. Cool. Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah, grouper's always nice. That's a good uh, grilled sandwich right there. So. So you got your rods rigged out, Mr. dude. I got like got I got eight. I got eighteen of them ready to go, man. <laughs> Chris says sharks are super thick right now. That's always fun. Yeah, probably the black tips and the bulls. I would imagine. Yeah. Chris, how about what's the water temperature, man? No, I haven't seen water temps. I haven't even paid attention to it. I I was I was accused of meditating on Florida for the past week, and because it was raining down there, and I've not been in the state in a couple of weeks now. So it's not my fault. Got some real nice high pressure. Yeah, it's my story. I don't see anything else. I didn't want to. High 70s, low 80s for water temps, according to Chris. Yep. See, today's Panama City Beach sea temperature is 83 degrees Fahrenheit. Woo! And no wonder the sharks are in. Yeah, still a little warm for this yeah. time of year. Um, I didn't, you know, Chip, you were talking about leaders and lines. Uh-huh. When the bay is not tannic, when those bays aren't tannic in the panhandle, I tend to use... Um, if it's not real windy and the bays aren't tannic and they're very clear, I mean, and they get ridiculously clear when there's no rain, I tend right. to stay with mono, 8 to 12 pound mono, like floor clear, and then uh-huh. tie, you know, two feet of 15 to 20 pound test fluorocarbon as my leader. And if the bays are tannic, you know, you can you can go with, you can almost go with braid right to your lure. You know, you can go with a short leader then 12, 14 inches, 18 inches. But if you're going to use braid when the water is really clear, might want to think about getting that leader more to, you know, three feet, four feet. Oh yeah. I don't think fish are. I don't think fish are smart enough to say, oh, that's braid, that's line. I think they just know it's something that's not natural, right? And it's moving, in a, right. it's moving in a horizontal trajectory. And I think they just. I don't think they know it's braided fish's line, but I think they know it's something out of the normal of what they've been conditioned to. Yeah. Um, so a lot of times I don't even use braid in the panhandle. Um, now the east coast of Georgia, down through Jacksonville, where it's so muddy, you can just about run braid to your to your lure down there too, um, or you know use a really short leader, say 12, 14, 18 inches. But I, I'm not a real big fan of braid when that bay is clear. I think I've I think I've seen fish spook off of it. You know? Yeah. And if you think about it. The guys down in Tampa, they have to deal with, you know, a lot of mangroves, some sunken structure, some oysters. You really don't get into oysters till you get to Apalachicola. You know, there's no real structure out there to break you off. I mean, structure in that part of Florida is variation in the depth of the bottom. Right. A little, 
a trench that's two feet deeper than the surrounding flat, and if that trench runs out to um, deep water, you know, that's your structure. There, you know, there's crab floats and docks and crab traps, the obvious stuff. Um, now, I will agree with Chris. If you're fishing a bridge, I use braid on a bridge, and I go anywhere from 40 to 80-pound fluorocarbon for my leader if I'm around a bridge. Um, but I know I've used braid in Georgia, on the east coast of Georgia, and I've had oysters cut braid just like they cut mono. I mean, oysters cut oh. anything. It's not going to help you, you know? Yeah. Um, but but Chris is right. If you're going to go bump against the side of a bridge with you know some barnacles and a lot of concrete, then yeah. I'd go with heavy braid and heavy heavy fluorocarbon leader. Hey, you know, right there. You bring up some good points because um, I I used to be just an honest to goodness, no way, no way. I'm not. I don't. I didn't like braid when it first started. You know, coming out. I mean, the first Power Pro and all that stuff. I was a I was a hardcore. And my my choice was either Andy Pink or good old style Stren. I mean, not any of that new mm-hmm. stuff, but the, just the old basic classic Stren. Because and the, the Andy, I I only used if I was like offshore, because I didn't think mm-hmm. the Andy had the had the uh, was tough enough to to take up the abrasion and stuff. I, I'd always get a lot of break offs and stuff if I was around some structure. Or fishing bottom, uh, but the strand, the good old just classic strand, was was my was my line of choice. But I fished enough, and I used to buy it in the big reels, you know, the big spools. And I would re-spool my reels about I don't know once a month or so. I mean, I fished a lot when I first retired. I was on oh, yeah. water about every day, and so. It wouldn't it wouldn't take much, you know, getting abrasions and you know, if you were trolling or something you get get it all get lines spinned up or I was taking folks out fishing, you know, and some folks who just they don't spend a lot of time fishing, you know, you you're uh using a spinning rod and winding against a drag, you know, and stuff and getting a big old twist in a line and stuff like that. But and I was just real regular about swapping out line on my on my rod and stuff, all my gear, just because I don't know it was didn't cost that much, and I would rather have fresh line when I knew I was going out and all that kind of stuff. And then I, but when it came to getting on the inshore side of things and doing some wading, you know, kayak in and get out of the boat and wade around in the flats and stuff, uh, seven and a half foot rod. Want to be able to cast and do a good presentation with an eight quarter ounce jig head. You can't beat the braid for being able to cast. I mean, I don't know. I just I I, I can just about get a third more distance on a cast with braid, especially. And I don't like going real light braid because then it's just like spider web, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't think I use anything less when I'm. You know, like fishing the flats and stuff like that. I don't use anything smaller than about 30 pounds. I've got some 20 on right. a couple of bills right now, but it's getting to the point where that stuff, it, if you're not paying attention to it, you can get some wind knots in that little light stuff, and you can't get them out of that stuff. You're just going to cut it off. But Yeah, um, I think in the wind, I think you're right. If there's a wind, you know, a big wind up, I don't. There's no comparison of what you can do with my, uh, braid versus mono as far as distance. Not even close, I don't think. 
you know, that braid cuts through. And I'll tell you, when I fish Lake Okeechobee and some places like that with heavy, heavy lily pads, uh-huh. I use braid. You know, I'm either using straight 20 or I'm using braid just to saw through the lily pads and the hydrilla and all the under the aquatic vegetation, you know. Um, but I know, like, for my wife, who doesn't fish as much, I kind of keep her on mono because people have a bad habit who don't fish a lot of grabbing that braid and pulling on it. Yeah, you'll cut yourself to the bone. I mean, you'll lay yourself wide open pulling on braid if you're not paying attention. Especially if you've been in a kayak for a few hours and your hands are a little soft from being in the water and all that. Yeah, you can cut yourself up pretty good. But uh, mm-hmm. but I will tell you that you know if you if you're fishing, uh, if you're getting some light pickups and stuff like that, and there you go, the braid is real sensitive, man. Uh. You know, you can't, and, and I really got to where I like braid offshore, especially fishing deep water with circle hook, you know, it was just, it hook them up just about every time, and uh, fishing bottom. So, <laughs> don't need a fillet yep. knife braid, I like that. Yeah, so. I do, uh, I do like mono when I'm trolling. I use that high-vis Andy, and either green right. or yellow when I'm trolling. So I can keep yeah. track of my line. It has a little bit of stretch when I fish. You know, you know, fish hitting wide open. It gives a little bit of stretch, even though I have a right. soft trolling rod. Um, so I will keep. I do keep mono, the Andy mono, on my two trolling rods, or the rods I use for trolling. Then my down, my bottom rigs, I either have braid or I had um, my bottom rig for the bridge, bridges down there. My short bottom rig, I've got braid, and then my traditional bottom rig for snapper and grouper, I've got pink Andy on it, like you use. Yeah. And uh, I started using um, I started using white Power Pro or what's the other one that comes in a white? It's called Crystal. Um, I think it's Trilene or something like that. It's a braid from Trilene, but I got the white, and I like it. I like being able to see my line. As as I've gotten older, my arms have gotten shorter, so I need glasses to be able to read. I can't hold them far enough away, and the especially you know some of that light fluorocarbon when you're trying to tie a small hook or something like that, uh, like if you're using mm-hmm. fluorocarbon on a on a fly line or something, man, I just uh, I can't see the stuff. So I started using that crystal or white Power Pro, and uh, I usually I usually have about oh two to three feet of fluorocarbon on for a liter. And I haven't really noticed too much about it. I do know that when I was fishing down there in the panhandle, man, the snapper got real crazy about being shy about liters and stuff. You had to use fluorocarbon. Is that you, Matt? That's me. What's going on there? Hey, how you doing, buddy? I just got home from work. I ran for the phone. Yeah? <laughs> got in a Feeling little better? Late. Yeah, much better, thanks. Good, man. You get out to fish this week? I actually went out fishing last night. Um, yeah. I ended up with two nice stripers, um, not keepers, but uh, one was 22 inches. That little guy put up a nice fight, and the uh, second one was 26 inches. Nice. Yeah. It uh, took forever for the tide to swing around last night. It, it was supposed to be low tide at 730. I put in around, uh, I guess it was 8... By the time I got to the spot, it was 8.30, and the tide didn't 
actually start swinging until 10.30. (laughs) That's when the fishing started to heat up. Right. So, and of course, I was an hour away from my house, and I had to work this morning, so I had to to bail out at like 11.30 to get home by 1.30. Whoa. (laughs) But it was a good night. I'm glad I caught two fish at least. Cool. Very cool. I wish the tide swung around a little earlier. I would have caught more, but yeah, good one. Yeah. So yeah, we were just we were just chatting about leaders and braid and mono and stuff. And I mean, you know, I don't think I don't think anybody will ever it'll ever be. There's just too many people, too many different ways to fish. <laughs> so was this? Yeah. Was, I, yeah, you I were just saying a little bit of everything. So you think of buying some fifty pound white Power Pro. Yeah, I've been thinking about putting that on my uh, my heavier bass rod. Um, right. Just for, especially this time of year, when live line and eels, it, right. it just comes off the spool a little easier. You know, it runs through the guides, so I don't have to keep stripping it with my hand and lifting the, the tip so, so the mono goes through, you know? Right, right. The uh, Power Pro, that would just kind of let the eel swim and take the line out as it goes. Yep. And, I mean, that 50 is still pretty small. I mean, uh yeah, Tommy was saying spider wire has a white braid called Invisi. Uh yeah, even fifty pound power pro or fifty pound braid typically is only about I think what, like a twelve pound test mono size. I mean, it's still pretty small. Um, yeah, I'd and say I like it's probably like I like a the white. It's real, yeah. I like the white. It's real easy to see and like I said, I haven't seen too much as far as fish spooking at it. I used to I used to use the the white or the yellow and that just got hard to find and then uh I tried some of the red power pro but that stuff after using it for a couple of days on the water it just it just seems all cruddy you know I mean it it it's like waxy and stuff I don't know if it's the the dye or something the red but I know I I used I was talking to Woody Calloway from Native Watercraft, and he said red is tough in in colors and manufacturing. And it was, you know, he's talking about the plastics that they use in the kayaks. That red is a tough color because it doesn't, for some reason, the dye changes the characteristic of the way the plastic forms up and stuff. So I always have a problem with that. I wonder if red is a problem in the dye, like in the in the power probe, because like, like I said, it just looks really cruddy after a couple of days of use. So. And Tommy salt said, water or fresh water or both? Uh, I usually just uh, I uh, in uh, salt water for the red. I only used in the salt water. I never I never fished in there. Yeah, okay. Chris said he didn't like okay. the yellow power pro. <laughs> I have the blue power pro slick on one of my uh, Abu Garcia six thousand C fours. Yeah. And after casting with it all day, you have a blue thumb. <laughs> it's Smurf line, right? <laughs> yeah, it's that light blue, the slick. Yeah. It's weird. <laughs> That's kind of weird. It, it would come off like that. So. It's the only I, one. It's really strange. I haven't. I haven't tried the. Uh, I haven't tried the uh, um, the the Power Pro Slick yet. I still, I, I'm still sticking to the the Spectra. Um, that that slick, um, it's nice on spinning setups, but um, not t- 
too much the casting reels. Because uh-huh. for some reason, it when it lays into the reel when you're reeling in, it kind of pushes itself a little bit deeper into the reel. Um, yeah. So when you, when it, when you're pulling it off, it kind of jumps around, and uh, it almost have like little almost loops in it. It, it. it gets weird on those reels. So I'm, I'm never putting slick on a conventional or a bait caster again. Yeah. You use but, you guys use a lot of bait casters because you're using you're just like freelining eels or or just dropping straight down and jigging, right? Um, that's one of the reasons, and plus, I I just I like to cast a bait caster. Yeah. Better for heavier baits. Um, for smaller baits, yeah, spinning gear is the way to go. But for for heavier baits, it it's I just think it's for me it's it's uh it's an easier way to cast. Right. Because you can kind of control uh how far it's going to go with you know using your thumb as a drag, where you can't really do that with a spinning reel. You could just stop it. That's about it. No, you know, I, I I have a technique I use with my spinning line, my spinning reels, where I just cut my hand around it, and I can kind of let as the line comes off of the reel, you can kind of apply a little bit of drag with the with your hand. And if if it looks like you know you've overcast it or something, you can just grab it and stop it. Because um, folks who might be listening that have never fished with a casting reel, number one, you want to get a good casting reel. And I don't know. There's you talk. You like you have a Revo. Is that what you say? You like Revo? Um, for most of my solar gear, I use Abu Garcia. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the, the Shimano bait casters have it. Um, the Abu Garcia is more like the round conventional casting reels. I right. really like those. Yeah. Uh, I like them because of the price, and you know they're they're they'll last forever if you keep them cleaned up. So. Yeah. But they're very I'm, inexpensive. That's that's why I really like them. I've got the Shimano, and I've got the, uh, I've got a, a an earlier model, that's what is it, the small one, and I've got a 300 EJ, man, that is a beast. Chris, you'll like that one. I'll show it to you when we get down there. That 300 EJ is awesome. I got that on an eight foot, uh, Saint Croix rod, casting rod, and that sucker will throw a spook a hundred yards, man. <laughs> If you were to put some, if you were to put some metal on it, man, you know, like a diamond jig or something like that, you could, you could hit ships out in the shipping lane with that sucker, man. <laughs> but now, don't ever have your stakeout pole in the water behind you, and then you know, lean back for a good long cast with that big Zara spook on there, because when it grabs the line to your stakeout pole, it'll put the largest bird's nest in that reel. That uh, you've ever seen in your life. So, yeah, the Curado is my favorite uh, from Shimano. But uh, I like the way you can adjust the little weights in the end and stuff and get it just right. I've got a pin. Uh, I've got a pin bait caster. That it's not bad, but I haven't been able to ever get that sucker just right to where it'll it'll really sling a bait. And I've got an Avit with the magnetic uh, system in it. And uh, that sucker, I'm 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 looking for a real nice surf casting rod for that sucker, because I think that'd just be like about a nine foot surf caster, you know, for just when you're hanging out on the beach. But that avid will throw. Oh, you can you don't even have to put your thumb on it. Those magnets are so nice, you can just heave that sucker. 
about a three ounce weight, and it'll just it'll empty the reel just about. Oh, nice. Yeah, those yeah. avits are a little bit too nice for me to be dipping in the water. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, they can all take care of it. So, but, but yeah, if you're gonna if you're listening to the show and you you think you want to try a baitcaster, uh, get a friend to uh, show you uh, how to use one because you need to educate your thumb on how to when you throw a baitcaster. If uh, if you've never thrown one before. You'll spend a lot of time cussing and cutting line and stuff like that. Now, there is a way, I don't know if, if you know this or uh, if you've ever seen this technique, but if you get a uh, backlash in your bait caster, how do you get that out? What is, what is, what's your technique, man? Or do you just pick it out? Well, I'm sorry, you don't well, ever for me, I, I just pick it out. I back the spool up and pick it out. But with, with mono, it's... <laughs> It's a lot easier than with braid. Um, oh yeah. Braid any time that you get a bird's nest, you, you you might as well if you don't get it out in the first five to ten minutes, yeah, just just uh, cut cut away. I mean, don't go crazy, but yeah, just try to find the loop that's that's really <laughs> messing you up and cut the line right next to it and pull it through. Yeah. But, well, I saw this on a YouTube video, and there may still be some out there. And then I know one time when we were out fishing, uh, uh, Becker's listening. He's a little league game, uh, but I was fishing with him and uh, Bill Howard, and I showed him my thing. And I just let it go and got a backlash, right? And then what you do is is you tighten your drag down, right? And you reel it in until you get the knot or the loop that's causing you the problem, and you put your thumb on that, and you crank against that with your thumb on it put some friction on it and then pull like you're just going to feed line out and you do that several times you tighten the drag down put your thumb on the knot and tight and crank it like you're going to try to reel it in and then click it and pull you know release the spool and try to pull it out and after you do that a couple of times the the backlash will come out it's it's a it's like a magic trick, man, and I will I will I will show I will demonstrate that at the Boondoggle for anybody who will be there, because I was I, I'm a master at bird's nests, man. There are lots of birds living today because of the bird's nests that I used to cut out of my reels and leave on. <laughs> and that's another nice. thing. I, I, don't, I never leave mono or braid. I always pack it out with me and put it in one of those recycle bins. Or dispose of it appropriately. Never leave that mono or braid in the water, or around the water, or anything like that. But uh, spray my reels with KVD. What is KVD? I don't know. Pick it out or get a knife. What do you, Jim? You don't, you know. Yeah. What's KVD, Tommy? Tommy's put in spray your reels with KVD. I don't know what that is. But uh, but yeah, I, I I learned that trick about you know clamping your thumb down on it, tighten your drag up, and try to reel against it, pushing the knot with your thumb, and then release the spool and pull it out. And a couple of times, you may have to do it three or four times, but it'll eventually get it out. Unless you just have one of those ones that you know looks like a redfish chuck beard, you know that that one there is probably not going to happen. But uh. 
But, uh, oh, KVD spray. All right. Yeah, wind knots. I don't know. I've seen uh, like Bill Howard. He's he can pull those wind knots out. I don't know how to do that. I just try not to get them in there. I never got uh, it in the reel, but I always get it in somewhere along the braid, and, and yeah, it's, it's just like a giant knot in there. It's like, all right, I guess I'll yeah, sacrifice this braid up to the wherever the end is. <laughs> yeah, it's usually like about the third or fourth eyelid on the you know when you're going to cast. That's usually where you get it. And yeah. uh, you, you notice it the next time you cast because you feel it ripping through your your eyelets, you know. So, yeah, I know KVD, I know Kevin Van Dam. But uh, I, mean, I, I don't know, I don't know. I don't use spinning gear that much, and I only no? have a couple rods braid on it. Yeah, I don't because it just it twists up on me all the time, and I I don't understand it. It's I I flip the bail manually. I, <laughs> And it just it keep getting twists, and it drives me nuts. You don't reel against the drag. Well, no, I don't do that either. Yeah. <laughs> Try going out. I let it go. Yeah, just let it go, man. Um, yeah. yeah, maybe it's just the, the uh, spinner bait I'm using, or something like that. It's twisting it up. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. You know, my favorite my favorite setup in the kayak is I usually. If I'm going to go offshore, I'll carry four rods. If I'm fishing inshore or something, I usually carry a couple. Uh, but, you know, I'll usually have one bait caster and a spinning rod. My favorite is the Pen Slammer 260. I've got a bunch of those. Whenever I find one, I'll pick it up. If, if yard sale or whatever, because I just love those little reels. Um, I can put, like, almost 200 yards of 20, 30-pound braid on it and uh, and... I, I've never had one lock up on me, and uh, but I love I like having I always carry one reel with a uh, Shimano Bait Runner, uh, the four thousand series, and I'm actually thinking about maybe trying one of those new uh, Pen Spin Fisher fives with the uh, they don't call it a Bait Runner they call it the uh, I can't remember what it is now, oh, but the solstice, right? Solstice, something like that. No, it's a it's a spin Fisher five, and they and it's like the bait runner, but uh, it has the second drag on it, you know. And yeah. I love just I love just tossing like if if I go to a place that's new to fish, I'll take my bait runner and I'll throw that out behind me, and then just feed off a little bit of line, and then set the bait runner drag, and. Even if I'm just soaking some gulp bait back there or something, you know, or a shrimp under a cork or something like that, and then just I let that sucker sit back there, and then I'll cast over the bow and stuff with a spinning rod or the bait caster. Usually on my bait caster, I've got some kind of topwater plug or maybe a big jig on it or something like that. But um, what's this? Yeah, if you get get spinning it that's what we used to do coming back in on the boat if we had people that had spun you know twisted the line up we just cut off the jigs or whatever and then just let the line go out and after it got a couple you know 20 30 yards on it the water would just pull it all off the reel and then just let it go straight out and just run in and then right before we came in through the pass we'd reel them all in that would take all the spin out of the out of the mono you got to yeah, spin I did it that real. last night but I didn't do it on purpose, so I was kind of paddling back to make a new drift, and uh, I realized my reel was in uh, free spool. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, and there was one layer of line left when I realized it. <laughs> so. <laughs> if something would have hit it right then, man. It would have just been oh. like, ding. You'd have just lost. I was like, but, yeah, I got spooled. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Yep. Jim, you're right there on preventing wind knots, man. I always, I always, I just have a, it's like an automatic thing. When I cast my spinning rod, close the bail with my hand, and then with the other hand, I grab the line and stretch it out. Yeah, that'll do it, man. That'll help. Yeah, and then make sure that you've you've taken the slack out of the line, because I think what what it is is that you know when you first if you let if you try to close the bail by spinning the reel, that puts a loop an extra loop in there or a bad loop on on the reel, and then when you toss it, it, it gets a wind knot in it. Boondoggle stand, scuba stand in the house, and uh. But, uh, yeah, I've never been able to get a, a wind knot out of braid once it got in there. I've seen people, you know, gently pull it out and stuff, but by the time I get to it, it's just, it's like, you know, your three-year-old got to their shoelaces before you did, and you can't, you, there's no such thing as being able to get that knot. <laughs> <laughs> Good analogy. Yeah. You know? So, but yeah, I like I like uh, I like my I got a couple of curados. I got a you know an old uh, a small uh, curado, and then I've got the big 300J with the you know the big jig master kind of thing. I like it. It's it's a nice one, man. So, but uh, I like my little spinning reels. I like my uh, bait cast or my bait runners. I think though that bait runner might be a good idea for some sharks there. So, yeah. Patience. Oh, I learned one more thing last night. What's that, man? Don't forget your dry gear at home when the water is only sixty-five degrees and the temperature drops down to forty-two. Ooh, yeah. yeah. I had sandals on. It got cold. Yeah, blue toes. Your thumb was was blue from uh, thumb in the reel, and your toes were blue from sitting in the water, right? Yeah. Nah, it wasn't too bad, but it, it it was getting cold towards the end of the night there. I was like, ooh. Yeah. Move. We have a general rule of thumb that you take the water temperature and the ambient air temperature and add them together, and if it's less than 100, you need to be wearing some dry gear. <laughs> I thought it was 120, but yeah. I'll, I'll go with 100. I'll go with 120. I like to be warm. I don't like to be cold. Unless yeah. I'm <laughs> so, but, uh, yeah, 120 is probably a little better because, yeah, you could get, I mean, it's it's real easy. Even on an evening when the air temperature drops down into the mid-60s, water temperature 50 degrees, you know, you could still, you could still, if you had to spend the night in the water there, you would be feeling the effects of exposure. As uh, your body temperature at ninety-eight point six on a, for an average adult, you, know, you get it doesn't take much to uh, get it down to ninety degrees, and you're and you're in trouble. So you wear full like dry suit, Matt. Nah, this time of year I wear that Kokatat uh, semi-dry suit. It's uh, it's got the pants and then the jacket that that tucks into the pants on the inside. Right. Um, I've 
I've gone in in the summer to test that out. You don't get too wet on reentry. So it's fine for now, but I wouldn't go out in December in that. Yeah. So, yeah, I got a full dry suit for more in the winter. Right. It's just the uh, semi-dry suit's a lot more comfortable, and you can take the jacket off if it gets hot out during the day. Uh-huh. Or, yeah, the sun's beating on you. You need to take that off when it gets warmer this time of year. Right. Um. And I would suggest to folks that are maybe listening up that are going to attend their first boondoggle, first time maybe you fishing in the uh, panhandle of Florida or whatever, get out on that water. I wear long sleeve shirts, and uh, I wear like a Kokatat destination pants, you know, the lightweight, quick dry, technical pants, long pants. Tommy can tell you about uh, sitting in the sun and getting burnt and fried. Uh, sitting in a kayak all day in, in a pair of shorts is not a good idea unless you've got a lot of sunscreen and you're real good about putting it on and on and on and on and on. <laughs> um, yeah, absolutely. I, I think uh, Columbia has Columbia has excellent fishing gear for that, the, their PFG line. And um, yeah. I think Officio, I think they make a uh, a nice pant and good shirts for that, that sort of sort of yep. uh, sun exposure. It's got the UV-50, I think it is, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yep. Lightweight, long-sleeve shirt, PFGs. I think that's the that's the lingo now for the street gang. You know, you're buying your PFGs, man. Somebody said that. <laughs> somebody said that to me the other day. Hey, I was wearing I was wearing a Columbia shirt. It was Friday, Leisure Friday. I said, oh, you wear PFGs. I'm like, um... Maybe when I'm in bed, I don't, what's a PFG? You're wearing one. Oh. See if Mr. Becker went in on it. Looks like I saw it. Mr. Becker, you beckoned? Uh, just briefly, I just wanted to, uh, you're talking about the performance fishing gear, and uh, Patagonia also makes a, a real good line, but I will second uh, and third and fifth uh, to making sure you're, you're wearing the stuff out there. Uh, met a guy the other day who had just been down here two or three days uh, before the monsoons came and uh, made the mistake of going out for half a day in his kayak and uh, in his shorts and a t-shirt and spent uh, the next day and a half in the hospital from uh, from a bit of a, a hazy day but uh, really got crisped up so especially if you're coming down from the northern latitudes where you're not used to the sun being as direct um, take it from somebody who uh, has learned the hard way where uh, <laughs> You know, all the cool kids wear long sleeve shirts, long pants, and buffs. Yeah. Oh, a buff is is definitely, or uh, breeze like a fish gear. Um, I actually like yeah. my breeze like a fish. Uh, somebody noticed it in one of the pictures when uh, Brad and I went up, the clone and I went up to uh, Camp Perry to shoot. We were out on the rifle range and breathed like a fish shirts. Man, it was like yep. everybody else is out there putting on sunscreen and all, and we're out there in our breeze like a fish shooting on the firing line at the 200-yard line. It was like, wow. But, uh, yeah, Chris Johnson called it kayak thigh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, but, uh, yeah, that a buff is definitely something because uh, you will get the serious, the, the, the glare that comes up off of the water. And a uh, good pair of sunglasses is always helpful. Polarized lenses helps you see the fish. Uh, buff and a wide brim hat, gloves. If you got sun gloves, those are those are nice. Or at least make sure that you put some sunscreen on the back of your hands. Um, 
You look at some of those uh, World Fishing Network, the old captains down there in like uh, Florida, the Florida Fishing Net News and stuff like that. You look at their hands, man. Those guys got some leather hands from being out there in the sun so long. Uh, but uh, if you're coming to the boondoggle, make sure you bring some appropriate gear. Uh, you don't want to get hurt out there, get sunscreen, and uh, it's uh, it's just not good. I mean, it's kind of like smoking. We know the dangers of it. We, we shouldn't do it, right? So, Most people uh, know the dangers. I'm telling you, people uh, that come from up here and go down there to fish... Uh, you know, you, you don't understand. It's like, oh, you know, I go out fishing in the sun all the time, and I just wear a hat, you know, or a buff around my neck. <laughs> yeah. No, you come down to Florida, you can wear your hat all you want, but that sun glaring off the water will burn your face. I mean, it, <laughs> there's no doubt yeah. about it. I've experienced it, and it's no fun. It, it will no. ruin your time. <laughs> yep. You'll have a good time for Friday afternoon and maybe Saturday morning, but by Sunday, Saturday afternoon, you're just going to not be a happy camper with a burnt face and kayak thigh, as Chris puts it. If you remember what our uh, our good friend and uh, kayak fishing radio co-host Mark Wheeler looked like in Chokoloski oh my after God. the first day, uh, you know, he was, he was teetering right on the edge of sun poisoning. So, yeah. no joke. And I mean... Mark was our poster child for sunscreen, so <laughs> yeah, definitely. So. I thought you guys were going to nickname him Lobster. Yeah, yeah. He had he was wearing Crocs. He was at the first boondoggle at uh, Little Talbot Island. We went to uh, Mosquito Lagoon for the day, and we were out all day. He got so fried, so fried that when he took his Crocs off, he had little red dots all over the tops of his feet, and you know. I can endure a little bit of a sunburn on my face or my shoulders or my arms, but, man, when the tops of your feet get sunburned, that just sucks, man. <laughs> no. But, anyways. Yes, uh, Red Zone t-shirts uh, for the uh, Boondoggle. If you haven't ordered them, make sure you get them. We, I, I don't even know if you can order them now. They, I think we've already put the order in to Red Zone for the uh, Boondoggle t-shirts. But I know they will be bringing a few extras, and they will be taking orders there for the uh, Boondoggle, uh, the official Boondoggle logo shirts. Really cool logo that was uh, put together. with. Um, it's real nice, so... It's different than the uh, typeface logo that you guys have been using for like the past two years. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's a little bit different. Um, I thought Mark had posted it online. I haven't seen it yet. You haven't I'll seen it? it? Oh, it's really nice, man. Uh, let's see if I can find a picture of it here and post it up. I've been Around. away from the computer too long. <laughs> <laughs> No, let's see here what we got. If I get an image of it, you hear boondoggle and you get all those stupid keychains and stuff. So, um, let me see, boondoggle. Don't forget about the uh, vendor village. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, we're gonna have we're gonna have uh, native watercraft and all of that. Um, let's see. I think this is this is not quite the. Uh, Let's see, here it is. View the image. All right. 
I'm posting the uh, link in the uh, chat room. This was uh, one of the prototype shirts here, so I think that's that's pretty much it. Ah, neat. I like it. Yeah. yeah. So, but uh, yeah, we got the uh, camp fish or camp kayak fish on the front, and the uh, kind of the compass on the back, and uh, palm trees and stuff. I think we changed the Perdido Key to actually Big Lagoon. So, but anyways, so that's about it for tonight. We lost. Uh, let's see. Who who went out? All right. Well, Mr. Becker uh, has it quit raining there. I quit thinking about Florida. Hmm. I guess that's who we lost. Oh, okay. Or he's on nope. mute. There you are. Yeah. There you are. Okay. I said uh, it had stopped raining, but you mentioned Florida, and I uh, oh. was sitting outside here and looked up, and once it's clouding up, and the stars are winking out, so I'm not sure what's going to happen, but we may <laughs> have a, uh, a spontaneous hurricane outbreak here. Yeah. But yeah. Yes, it has stopped raining, even though areas of our uh, our coast here received more than 12 inches of rain over the past few days. Oh, man. It's almost my record, you know, from Fourth uh, of July there with Scuba Stan and. Uh, but uh, <laughs> that, that was pretty ugly. I watched that on the radar. <laughs> that was terrible, man. That was terrible. I thought we were gonna have to just tie the kayaks underneath the trailer and float it out of there. But um, <laughs> yeah. So let's see. Are we gonna fish? Are we fishing this weekend? Greg, you what do you get? You did. Did the uh, Frogman event go off? I mean, uh... the Frogman event is in uh, is in January. Oh, okay. Um, last last weekend there was a uh, paddlefishing.com uh, challenge uh, series event that was last Saturday. Unfortunately, I wound up uh, I wound up working uh, doing uh, my uh, volunteer weather prognosticator was uh, out of town, so I got to uh, I got to play situational awareness dude uh, on Saturday instead of fishing. Okay. But a uh, good time was had by all. Um, Little League game Saturday morning, but thinking about Sunday, and it'll be interesting that uh, with this huge dose of fresh water uh, and, and the fact that it's with this much, it's going to continue to run off out of the streams into the bay for, you know, the next week, uh, you know, with, with larger than normal amounts of fresh water. It'll be interesting to see what's going on out in the bay. But redfish are schooling up down here. Um, lots of, you know, many more big fish being caught and, uh, Reports are getting into schools of uh, 50, 100 fish. So wow. that's, uh, that's a nice time of year. Right. Okay. And, uh, yeah, definitely. Okay. Um, yes, Matt, you asked about the Kayak Angler Choice Awards. So Kayak Angler Choice Awards, the uh, nominations close tonight. And uh, we have... I think for the anglers, we have uh, 40 that have been nominated. And in uh, uh, the Thursday, the week after the boondoggle, we will open up for voting. All right. And we're waiting until after the boondoggle because we want to talk about it a little bit there. But uh, we're going uh, we're gonna to open up voting the week after the boondoggle. So it'll be Thursday after boondoggle. And... Uh, It'll be kind of an elimination round. So we'll vote for a week, and then we'll take the uh, 
we'll go from 40 down to 30 and then another week and we'll drop another and we're going to try to get when we get down to like the top 10 we'll try to get them on the air and talk to them and and that kind of thing and the same thing for the uh, we added in there were enough people who rode in for the best kayak and kayak paddle so we have a an, an additional um uh uh, category of uh, paddle, so there's that's going to be that's going to open up too. But the uh, voting will open up the uh, week after the boondoggle, so that uh, I, I hope the in next, the best paddle category, there's no uh, section for Mirage Drive. <laughs> no, no, that's not a paddle, man. <laughs> Thank you. Not a paddle. Yeah. No. And and, and so we we kind of pared it down this year. And and we're going to do the elimination thing. So we're going to vote for a week, and then we'll drop off the, the bottom 10 or percentage of that and then until we get to the top 10, and we're going to go for a few weeks on the voting that way. So hopefully it will be a little more interesting, but it's, it's y'all's choice. Nobody from Kayak Fishing Radio or yakangler.com, we can't be nominated. Our programs can't be nominated, so... It's all about you. We got some really cool uh, nominations too for like anglers. We've got anglers from all over the all over the world. We've got anglers from New Zealand. We've got websites from New Zealand, from Australia, from England. So we got a lot of good response this year. So we, we're really excited. Uh, we, we're closing it tonight for the nominations, and then two weeks from now we'll open it back up for voting. So hopefully that's cool. You can vote for yourself. That's fine. So, all right. So, Jim, you fishing this weekend? I might try to get down to the pond a little bit, though, a few times. We'll just have to see, you know, weather and tours. But maybe Sunday afternoon I might slide out for a little bit on Saturday afternoon. Yeah. 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 So, I've got uh, Brad is doing his, the clone is doing his first uh, drill, drill competition this weekend so hopefully we'll be able to uh to uh get uh get back in time on sunday to uh get out in the pond so tommy just give me another call on sunday and we'll see see what's going on with that but i might actually think it's time to uh, break out some crickets and a fly rod and see see how the bluegill are doing so um because the water temps are starting to cool down here i think tonight we're at about 64 degrees so um matt yeah it's it's nice and cool so matt you going fishing Um, this weekend or this week it doesn't look like it because everything's pretty much switched over to the night fishing saturday Uh i'm actually running a 5k for um a charity for autism so looking forward to running 3.2 miles or whatever I'll probably make it a mile and have to walk the rest of the way. But <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so that, that, and then uh, Saturday I have a barbecue. So um, not this weekend. I'll probably be out fishing in the middle of the week at night again, and then all next weekend. I'm going hard. It's going to be uh, start fishing at 5 p.m., stop fishing at 6 a.m. <laughs> That's hard, dude. I know. I'm doing it, though. All right. Okay. Well, that sounds fun, and we appreciate everybody showing up tonight. Jim, Matt, Mr. Becker. I think the baseball game's still going on, it sounds like it. Nope. 
So um, if you didn't if you didn't see the Americans uh, were the comeback kids and won the America's Cup, that was cool. And uh, that's about it for tonight, man. It's almost nine o'clock. I need some beauty sleep. Otherwise, uh, I'll be ugly tomorrow. So I'm ugly all the time. But anyways, thanks a lot, guys, for joining us. Uh, Boondoggle in 14 days, and wake up, and we'll be there. Tommy, give me a call on Sunday. Thanks, everybody. Chris, we'll see you. Uh, actually, I probably need to give you a shout here. Double-check, make sure we got everything covered for the boondoggle. Jim, Stan, Tommy, Matt, Greg. Y'all have a good evening, and we'll see you next week. Good night, y'all.